Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast. I'm Stetson. And I'm Gabe. And in this episode, we're talking about the world of influencers, what it means to be an influencer, and how you can potentially turn yourself into an influencer and earn some extra cash. Yeah, get rich quick. Follow these five tips to instantly earn a million dollars. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, right. I'm hoping, I'm hoping Google, with their new uh, audio you know, decoding features where they break apart a podcast by and can, you can search for the audio that they pull up those words that I said and boom, we're top of the SEO. Well, yeah, we'll just be ranking super high for those specific yeah. words. Not even a financially related podcast. Nope. Doesn't matter. We're getting thumbed down. We're getting reported. Oh, yeah. There Flagged. we go. That's what I'm talking about. And then we no, stay first, monetized. First, what we're talking about is who we're not sponsored by. Uh, who went first last time, Sipton? I think it was uh, Gabe, me. Gabe, I just listened to the podcast. You went first last time. Okay. So I think now it's my turn. Do you want to get the uh, shot clock going? I got the shot clock. And we actually got a real one here from the NBA. <clears throat> no, just kidding. <laughs> we don't have that. Uh, that is not in our budget of $0. So instead, I'll pull up the iPhone app. Uh, and actually, why don't you do... Do you have an Android phone there? I do have an Android phone. Because what if I'm I'm thinking like let, maybe our listeners could notice like is there a timing? What if like iPhones were like point one seconds off of what Android timing devices were? Well, they wouldn't. I guess they wouldn't notice that because this is an audio medium and they can't see. The we timers. can have alarms going off, except you can't no, set not. a thirty second alarm on alarm. an iPhone. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. All right, are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready too with the timer. Uh, and we're starting you off on your not sponsored segment in three, two, you're going. And today's episode is not sponsored by coasters. Coasters help keep your drink sitting beautifully on your desk. It prevents you from getting that gross, moist ring on your desk, keeps everything in pristine condition. You love it, adds aesthetic, is a home for your beverage of choice, whether it's coffee, tea, or anything else keeps you energized and refreshed throughout the day five seconds um, looks great and is what you need for your desk that was good i yeah that's very applicable here in the summer with i i, I get an iced coffee and it's like the condensation is more than the amount of iced coffee that's actually in the cup you could just create a whole new glass of water from the amount of uh, just yeah, condensation yeah. dripping. Honestly, that's not a bad idea. What if they made cups that were like you would you could just replenish the water because you you know, boom, more Absolutely. condensation. This is of course a thirty second segment. So Gabe, I've got. Oop, this is where I put the camera. Nope. I've got your timer set. Are you ready? Yeah. On your I mark. Am ready. Get oh set. Go. All right. We all know farmers markets are great, but you know what's even greater? Growing your own fruits and vegetables. Right now, we're in the middle of summer for uh, North America, north of the equator. So I know not everyone can do this, but if you do live in a city, they do have community gardens. You can grow it inside. And there's something you really learn about how much work actually goes into the food we eat. You know, being able to pick that tomato off the plant and eat it thinks, wow, every tomato I eat during the year, someone had to do that or someone had to design a way for that to be done. So it really increases your appreciation. Boom. Yeah. There we go. Growing your own fruits and vegetables. Not a sponsor. Are you trying to are you trying to extend your segment? That's pretty what? good though. What? Imagine if imagine if ads could do that and just creep into other ads. Like you'd be watching Did a Bud Light merge? ad and then all of a sudden like the Bud Light character would just be in a Taco Bell and you're like, wait a second. So what Taco kind of, what like, kind of commercial no, are we for watching this. right now? Yeah, right. Uh, but that's that's not what we're talking about now, because we're talking about quick news, quick news, quick news, quick news, quick news. All right. First off, uh, I think we've almost every episode talked about Apple and quick news, and there is a good reason for that. They are the what the largest company in the world, second largest like company oh, in the man. world. They're they're hovering around there. I think they go up and then they go down. They kind of follow the market almost. They're one of yeah. They're one of the three uh, companies that have gone over the billion dollar market cap. Uh, the other two being Microsoft and Amazon. But yeah, they're one of the biggest companies in the world, and so pretty much anything they do is big news and so i think i think people just love to click on those articles they have a dedicated fan base apple's just in the news all the time so yeah what do we have today uh first we have one of their lead designers and the person really responsible for 
a lot of the popular products and you know the way they're designed that we've seen over the past 10, 15 years is leaving Apple. Wow, this this seems pretty huge. So who yeah. who is this? Johnny Ive, the uh, this this product really from the ground up. We started with the cute essentialism of what makes a product amazing. Like, yeah, you've seen them in the ads, those black and white ads, um, and the release day on TV, stuff like that. He is really a big figure at Apple, but he's heading out doing his own thing. And yeah, so basically what hap- is happening is Sir Jonathan Ive, he has been knighted. Uh, okay. and, and sorry, my bad. I apologize, sir. He... He's the basically the uh, bald guy you see in the commercial. The uh, loves talking he's just about basically the bald guy. The uh, unibody aluminium products. Oh yeah, well yeah, the aluminium. Anyway, Gotta enough making fun. British so, way. No, John, no, I'm not making fun. Uh, don't take it. If there's any people from the UK listening, I honestly am jealous of the British accent. Any you can say anything, and it sounds like so dignified and so you know just elegant. Uh, we say something here and, and we're just, you know, white trash in America who, you know, threw a bunch of tea in the ocean 200 years ago and said, screw you guys. This is correct. Anyway, I, you know, America's kind of like, sorry, tangent. America's kind of like a, like a, a teenager, I feel like, where it's like, you know, you, you know, your parents are providing you for you and stuff and helping you out and, you know, they're trying to grow you. And that's kind of what America was like. And then, you know, the rules just get too much and they're like, you throw your throw your stuff out of your, you know, out of your, your, out of your, out of your room into the hallway. And you're like, screw you guys. You can't control me. This is my life. And that, that's pretty much what America was like. And okay. Wow. Are we what done? an amazing, what an amazing person we've grown up to be America. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So what Johnny, going back to Apple. <laughs> yeah. Going back to Apple, the fruit that started it all. Johnny yep. Ive is forming a new consulting agency called Love From. The agency is launching in 2020, and uh, it's basically going to be working with Apple as a client. So Johnny Ive is basically expanding what he's going to be working on while still retaining, I would say, a reasonably large say and influence in Apple design. Yeah, this is very uh, kind of reminiscent or actually, no, it's not, because that was a uh, uh, when Steve Jobs was kicked out of Apple and started. What was the company's name? Next. 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 Yeah, and they eventually got bought up by Apple, and he was brought back. It's not really like that, but it's also kind of like that. And that uh, Johnny Ives is leaving, but he's still gonna be involved with Apple because you know, just yeah, who he is and what he's doing. Is is anyone gonna be replacing him? And like, what what do you think this means for Apple products in the future? Um. Well, I'm going to read that you've typed in the notes that Jeff Williams is replacing him. Uh, he was Apple's COO or chief operating officer. Uh, and it's, I mean, the, the head designer really is not as much on the ground, you know, not as much, you know, sketching out stuff, you know, and like working hard in the studio. But it's more of the, you know, overseeing the whole product design of multiple products and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think despite Johnny Ives, like, huge role in apple i really don't see this having a a large impact on apple i think there are many many talented designers who just don't get the same kind of name recognition and really what we're seeing is johnny Ive. he's been designing apple products for a really long time he's looking for new uh new opportunities you know time to design something that's not just a unibody aluminum block and um you know this is he's just moving on with his career and if if I was Apple, what I would do is I'd as part of the severance package, you know, I'd I'd maybe like increase his, uh, maybe give him give him an extra bonus and say, can we, you know, come into our capture studio, uh, we'll record you, like we'll create a three D version of you, you know, say all these words so we can create our own AI neural network that's your voice, and then just we can generate you and use you in our future product launches, even though you have nothing to do with them whatsoever. Uh, we can still like we need you in those videos. That would be so weird. I would. I mean, I would. I'm in for it. Apple. I. I. One vote from here. Yes. Do it. We need. We need a. We need a digital Johnny Ive to keep those product launches as awesome as they have always been. I, it's true. I love his promotional material and that British accent. You're right. It sounds incredible. Yeah, it's an American company, but they're like we're gonna bring bring in a bit of uh you know our aluminium across the pond yeah exactly 
Maybe we just maybe we just need to start all saying it that way. Start a trend. Gabe, what else Aluminum. do we have uh, from Apple? Uh, the next thing we have from Apple is they're going to be improving the MacBook Air. Now, this is kind of not really news because they're always improving their products, supposedly. Uh, Rumors have it. Yeah. But it's going to be coming with a new keyboard design. Uh, I think we all kind of saw this coming. Yeah. So, I mean, what's been happening with the current design? Like, why I can type fine on my computer. Is that not the case for other computers? Like, what's going on? Well, I... I I mean, people have probably heard this uh, if you pay any attention to Apple, but they've had a bit of an issue as they've tried to make their keyboards thinner and their computers thinner, uh, that they've switched to the butterfly keyboard design. And, you know, that initial first gen and second gen wasn't quite as good as they hoped it would be. They had, you know, issues of stuff getting underneath the keys and the whole thing just, you know, falling apart and breaking down and then having to replace the whole pant top panel of the computer, uh, like the keyboard area. And that's uh, like several hundred bucks. So not the best. You know, I don't think that's a design feature particularly. Yeah. Uh, putting money down the drain with those kinds of repairs isn't ideal for Apple. It's true. They've had a lot of issues with this. And I think ultimately the repair costs, they have a great warranty. I respect them for that. Uh, it is kind of alarming when a brand new product comes out and is already on a warranty program for the keyboard. Uh, so I think it is time for Apple to kind of find something new with that. Yep. And in surprising news, a new iPhone leak coming out. No, just uh, sorry. Quoting Forbes there uh, with their constant surprising and astonishing iPhone leaks that seemingly seem to come every day and are exactly the same and prove nothing new. I think they uh, do a pretty decent job shuffling around the, no. the words in the title the words, a little yeah. bit. Right, it's the same exact article they released for a month, but they just switch it around, put a slightly different picture and a new headline, and somehow get millions and millions of views. Maybe uh, we should start doing that. This this isn't a gay rant. This is quick news. So moving on to the next topic in quick news, quick news, we have internet browsers. Uh, we haven't talked about those in a while. What do no. you use for your browser, Stetson? Well, I just I just switched today, as a matter of fact, Gabe. Um, oh, wow. I, I basically... What a coincidence. I'm a, I was a Chrome user, and... Yep, same here. I was on the news, and I was looking at some of this privacy stuff, and I thought to myself, well, self, wouldn't it be good to be more private, more protected, block some of those tracking platforms that are all out there and harvesting my information? And I thought, yeah. So there's a browser called Brave, very privacy focused, also blocks advertisements. Um, and they announced a new feature as part of their browser where you can get paid to see approved ads. And I thought that sounds pretty neat and I decided to give it a whirl. So that's what I'm using. Yeah, that seems pretty awesome. It kind of turns the whole uh, paradigm and like model of advertising on its head where instead of you know the site being paid for ads or you know the whatever the content creators being paid for ads that hey if you're choosing to use their browser you're more the product and you get to be paid for uh you know your own information being used to sell you ads which is yeah that's that's kind of a nice change i know they also they just announced this whole feature of getting paid to see ads um i know the previous like big thing that brave was doing was that if say for example you want to watch YouTube videos and have an ad blocker on, but you still want to support your favorite creators, or if you want to, you know, browse the web and have an ad blocker, but still want to support your favorite sites, you can buy what they call uh, BAT currency, which is their Brave Attention token, and you know it's a cryptocurrency, um, but you know it's easy to buy with U.S. dollars, and then you can send that money to your favorite creators. So even though you're blocking ads on, say, I could watch your channel sets and and block ads if I didn't have YouTube Premium. I can still give money to you so that I'm actually supporting you. That's really great. I love supporting websites and channels that I, I'm passionate about and excited about. Uh, do you know if the channel needs to be signed up for Brave to receive those payments? Yeah, they, that's, that is the only uh, catch right there currently. But you can, I think you can, there's a way to notify the channel or like, I don't know, there's, they're trying to get more people recruited and it's not that hard to sign up your channel or website. So yeah, I think if, if, if you are out there listening to this podcast and you do have, you know, a channel or a, a site or some sort of thing like that, it's definitely uh, interesting to possibly uh, sign up for this. And, you know, see, I haven't, I don't think I've actually generated any money because they're currently, they're not having a lot of people use it and even less people 
actually donate money to sites, but it's a, you know, give it a try. Uh, maybe you, maybe you'll bring a little money in, uh, either way you'll learn some stuff about it. What, what browser are you using, Gabe? I'm currently also in the Chrome camp, but I know I've been looking at as well in the past about seeing, uh, which, you know, browsers are faster or which browsers are ad free. And I know Firefox, uh, has just announced that they're doing ad free browsing for $5 a month. That's, that's a really interesting idea. I mean, how do you feel about that? Because it sounds like you're essentially paying to access the internet. And like, that that seems backwards to me. Well, it kind of does, but it acknowledges that, you know, the internet is largely ad funded, you know, all the content. So if we're just going to block ads, we have to develop some sort of alternative solution other than just saying, oh, let's just, you know, destroy this revenue stream for all these websites and uh, content creators, that's not very, you know, sustainable. Yeah, it, it's true. And I think it's a very interesting model where I don't know about you, but I feel ads are kind of disrupting uh, all of my web browsing. They're getting more intrusive, more invasive, more annoying. There are pop-ups, there's auto-playing videos. It's just browsing internet is an unpleasant experience. And I kind of mentioned this, I think, on our travel episode, like reading a book is really nice. There's no pop-ups there's no distractions oddly satisfying great information um and as someone who dislikes ads so much i'm very interested in any way where i can support creators and websites i'm passionate about um while also getting a really great experience and uh this solution from firefox seems actually interesting to me and i'm I'm curious to see how it evolves yeah i don't know how popular it will be because the type of people who will block ads are also maybe not the type of people who would pay for stuff, but you never know. Uh, do you, you said that you actually think it's getting more crazy, the ads? I've actually really thought the opposite, that as as Google rolls out, rolls out their like ad standards, that they've become a little more tamed down, and especially with like stuff like AMP, um, the, which is accelerated mobile pages, you know, browsing through content online is pretty uniform, and you don't have to deal with any like crazy ads. Uh, except for on the occasion when, like, yeah, there's pop-ups and stuff like that occasionally now and then. I think the biggest offenders are the news sites for me. Uh, Forbes, we were just talking about them. They're a pretty huge offender, um, especially on desktop and, and sometimes on mobile too. Like, you just get blocked by all these advertisements. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think it depends what sites you're, you're going to and uh, what content you're looking for. But I, ads either way are kind of annoying for me. I, I know those, uh, like you said, the news sites like Forbes and stuff, they do now, a lot of them have the pop-up that will tell you, oh, you have a, you know, a blocker, ad blocker on, you know, please consider removing it. Or, or some actually don't let you access it with it on, but I see a lot of them have said either please consider removing it, um, you, they do give the option of not removing it, and that's like a tiny one in the bottom corner, or they say you can watch this one time, like 30 second ad, and then, you know, browse the site ad free, which is, I think that's actually an interesting way to do it is make give people a conscious choice so they can decide how they want to proceed i think that strategy also would would drive a lot of engagement with that one particular ad i know spotify kind of does this where they have one ad for every 30 minutes of ad free music doing that for a website like you watch this one thing and then you're all set for the day i think that's really nice i think many people would be willing to just all right let's get this out of the way and then i can actually enjoy the content on the site for the rest of the day um, and it's kind of interesting to see how advertisers are evolving and trying to reach their audience in creative new ways. Well, we should have saved that topic for last because that would have been an interesting or a nice smooth segue into influencers. But unfortunately, we still got a couple more things in quick news, quick news, quick news to talk about. Uh, the next thing I want to say is that Sony has released a new in-ear headphone, kind of like the AirPod, but it actually now has noise canceling. Wow, Gabe, that so. sounds that sounds great. Uh, what are what are these headphones called? Oh, Stetson, you know you're 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 great with these setups, but they're getting a little too obvious. Um, these headphones are called the WF one thousand XM threes. Uh, can you read that back to me? Yes, yes, those are the Sony WF one thousand XM threes. Not to be confused with the Sony. Oh, I just forgot. WH-1000 XM3s, which are the over-ear noise-canceling headphones. I This is a, just an absolute 
uh, confounding move on Sony's part. Like, who in their department would decide to name these headphones so similarly? Like, wh- why? Just why? I, th- I mean, I think this is just this is just Sony being Sony as far as names. I mean, they have DVD players and you know TVs that are like increasingly long names and have like one model number difference and are you know completely different or whatever. But naming aside, these are actually pretty interesting headphones because they're really the first prominent noise canceling in-ear true wireless headphones that we've seen and they're only selling for $230 which is less than the Beats by Dre Pro uh, and a couple other of the premium headphones out there. Uh, I see here it also supports 24-bit audio for superior quality. That is is definitely good. Most headphones are probably I think 16-bit uh, basically just gives you a lot more range of dynamics uh, and how many sounds you know can actually be put out by your headphone. And the amazing thing is they have six hour battery standalone or 24 hour battery you know with the charging case. but six hour battery for noise canceling headphones uh, in ear, that's pretty impressive. So Gabe, when can we put these WF1000 XM3s in our ears? Uh, you can be putting them in your ears on August 5th when they start shipping. They actually, with these headphones, they're the UPS, they paired up with that they'll ship them right into your ears. Right? That's right. They the UPS delivery person has to stop, yep. cut open the box, power them yep. on, puts them right in, in for you. Put them in your ears, pairs them. All right, these paired up with your head. You're, all right, you're all good. Yeah, there we go. You can't hear them by then because it's noise canceling out him. So you're, you're like, what? I can't, you know, making those gestures. And no. Yeah, August 5th um, shipping date. I think they're probably going to go on pre-order soon. So... Check them out if you're looking uh, for some, you know, premium noise uh, canceling in-ear true wireless headphones. That is such a long name. Do they have any way to shorten that down, the in-ear true well, wireless? I mean, so a lot of people, canceling. they search for the XM3s, and, and that's been associated with the over-ear headphones. No, no, no. I'm just talking. I'm not talking about the specific product. I'm talking about the, the in-ear true wireless In-ear true wireless noise canceling headphones? Yeah, that's an extremely long descriptor. I think we just have to live with it. We just okay. All right. Well, all right. No, there's no improving things. So let's just move on to the last product in or last item in quick news. Quick news. Quick news. Quick news. Quick news. Amazon saving stuff uh, forever. Guess what? Your voice recordings with Alexa. They're being saved too. And Gabe so, apologizes for triggering all of your devices. No, I don't apologize. I am not apologizing anymore for that. Yeah, so in case you only thought it was your purchasing history and, you know, maybe the browsing history when they plant cookies on your uh, browser and stuff, they're also probably saving all your voice recordings too. Yes, in fact, they actually admitted it. Uh, So what happened here is Senator Chris Coons of Delaware uh, was questioning Amazon, wanted more information about how they were treating customer data, what they were doing, and Amazon responded uh, with, this is from the article, uh, quote, Amazon retains customers' voice recordings and transcripts until the customer chooses to delete them. Yeah. I am personally, I don't really care about this because I'm like, uh, the Alexa, you know, going to trigger it again. The Amazon Echo line really is a beneficial product, I think. So if there's a slight drawback of Amazon holding onto the recordings, currently I haven't seen that really manifest it much. Maybe they can target ads better to me because they can like look through all the things I talk about, but I'm not too disturbed by it. Uh, you know, yeah, that's that's about it for that for me. My understanding is they would only record the segments that actually ping the request for the voice assistant. So any yeah, like, but it's it's just like it's just like Google, you know, saving your search history. I think. Uh, yeah, I could see it like that. I mean, I think it opens up some some interesting questions on. What should be saved? Uh, what shouldn't be saved? Like, what are our rights as users for privacy? Um, but you know, I think you do bring up some good points. Like, it's it's not really hurting anyone. Like, Amazon is welcome to save my timer setting voice for however long they like, and you can delete it as a user. Uh, you can just go in and delete. I have no idea how you do that, but it it is possible. Yeah, I think I think you can go into the app possibly, but they might actually, if they're making it hard, they might make you go onto the website. The, the thing I th- see is, yeah, Amazon just has to be a little more transparent. And as long as they give the customer and the user the choice, you know, so as long as they say, hey, 
you know, this is what happening. We're keeping keeping your voice recordings. Uh, you know, they're not going to be deleted. If you want them to be deleted, here's how to delete them. Then I I say everything's fine and dandy. It's just that they should have been more transparent because for years now they've been saying, "Oh no, we don't keep your recordings." Oh no, 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 no. Of course not. We don't do that. What us? Who? Who? Would, no. What are you kidding? Like, uh, now they're being finally because they were forced to testify. Um, you know, or not testify, but they were, you know, the little pressure was put on them. They're having to be honest. I think that should hopefully come up front next time with similar things. I agree. It is a little weird that they're kind of changing uh, what they're saying about how they're treating user data. Uh, but Gabe, I think, should we move on to today's topic? Well, yeah, we're, I mean, we're talking about Amazon and, you know, what they're using it to, uh, you know, sell ads and target you with products. They're actually one of the biggest affiliate uh, market brands like out there as far as people, you know, with affiliate links to Amazon, which are used by, who are they used by Stetson? I I have some in a few video descriptions. I've no, actually- they're, uh, they're used by influencers. Okay. I'm Sorry, s- I wasn't I wasn't saying you specifically. Oh, oh they're yeah. They're used by influencers. And, and Gabe- uh, So that's, that's our main topic today is we're talking about influencers because they had a big influence on my life personally. How so? What, like- what is this? What does it mean to be an influencer and influencing the Gabe my Shakur? My parents, my parents are big influencers on me. They've, they've, they've taught me. Uh, they've influenced me with great lessons, and they've influenced me. My, my, like what I eat. You know, a lot of the brands I bought as a kid. Uh, unfortunately, that's not really who we're talking about today. We're talking more about the influencers on social media because those are really the ones that are in the news today um, and kind of on everyone's mind in the marketing advertisement and media world. Absolutely. And, and Gabe, like how, how would you define an influencer? What does it mean for you to be an influencer? I think, well, for me and for anyone to be an influencer, it is to really have a brand, which could be yourself. You know, it doesn't have people think brand and they think, Oh, Nike, you know, Adidas. I don't know. I'm thinking shoe companies, new balance, Oh, gosh, really, there's other companies other than shoe companies, but Reebok, um, Under Armour, <laughs> gosh, really, uh, you know, Merrill, Tiva. Oh, gosh, this is, anyways, yeah, they only think shoe companies when they think brands. No, uh, brands are also individuals. So, you know, you're a brand. I'm a brand, you know, uh, Marquez Brownlee, uh, you know, even people as famous like celebrities like Tom Cruise. That is still a brand, even though Tom Cruise doesn't really sell. Like you can't go on and buy from his merch store Tom Cruise merch. But when he gets chosen to be in a film, or you know they they go out to try to get him in a film, that's a brand that they're trying to bring to that film franchise. That's a really interesting way of, of phrasing that and, and thinking about brands. I had a few different thoughts. So I thought an influencer would be someone who's able to have a measurable impact on the performance of a brand. And I think this could maybe tie into to what you're saying too. Like if you are your own brand, you are an influencer and you can have a measurable impact on the performance of yourself. Or it could be a shoe company like Gabe was mentioning. Like maybe you get a new pair of kicks, you're posting them on your Instagram account. All of your friends and followers are seeing that. They're like, wow, Gabe's new shoes, super shiny. I love them. I'm going to pick some up. Um, so that's kind of how I was looking at it. Someone with a measurable impact. And I, I would also yeah, add... Yeah, well, because I, I think that's intrinsic with having a brand because you can't really have a brand if there's no one listening to you. Like, if you are living in the middle of a field all by yourself, you're not going to have... Like, I guess you you could have your own... It's not really a, you're a brand. It's just your identity as a person. It really becomes a brand when you start marketing it to other people um, and trying to use it for usually for uh, monetary purposes, you know, and benefits, but also, I guess, just for uh, bet- bettering your life or send- spreading your message out further. Okay, so here's a question for you. How many followers does it take to to be your own brand? Like, what's what's the threshold? It really depends. I mean, on the platform, you know, if YouTube, you have a thousand followers versus Twitter, a thousand followers, I think that's a big difference, or subscribers on YouTube, I guess, versus Twitter. Uh, Instagram as well, you know, it, it really depends, but, and it also depends how loyal and your engagement. That's, I think, the real thing that a brand um, or company would look at before they associate with you. 
but I feel like the bar has continuously gotten lower. You know, it used to be like, oh, you know, five, 10,000 subscribers or five, 10,000 followers. But now you get people on Instagram, you know, 2,500 followers and they're getting messages from granted, the companies are a bit sketch and, you know, they're kind of just going for the lowest, you know, fruit um, of like, oh, these people are, you know, not getting many offers from anyone else. But it's, you know, yeah, the bar is always lowering. What do you think is the number? I think it's really challenging to put a numerical value on on these kinds of things um, because it's really, I think it's when brands start to reach out to you, that's kind of when you can see yourself as more of a quote unquote official influencer. I, I liked kind of your 1000 mark on YouTube. I think that's like, that's a pretty big threshold. I think 10,000 is also a really big threshold. Like when you kind of hit those numbers, then you start to have more authority. Your audience is growing. More people are listening to you. Um, I, another way of looking at it could could be your growth rate in a sense. Like if you're able to collect new followers and like you said, measuring engagement, like there's more than one way to, to measure uh, the impact of an influencer. And, you know, I think what it comes down to is it's more than just the numbers. You could have someone like PewDiePie with over... I don't even know how many subscribers he's at now. He's got 97 million. Oh right my now. God. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's knocking on the door of, by the way, let's just get a PewDiePie push. I know he ended the subscribe to PewDiePie thing, but if you're not already subscribed to PewDiePie, come on, let's get a first real YouTuber over 100 million. Absolutely bananas. Uh, but my point is, like, he could have this huge, over 90, whatever Gabe said, thousand million <laughs> subscribers um, and have no one watch his videos, right? Like, that's a very real possibility. I mean, it's well, it's pretty crazy. His videos get on average like anywhere from like, you know, two to like maybe six million views when he uploads them. And you still have other subscribers who have, you know, less than 25 million who are getting way more than that routinely. Uh, yeah, I would almost bring up Casey Neistat. Like he his daily vlogs, he has significantly fewer subscribers, but the percentage of those subscribers who are actively engaged and consistently watching his content I would think would be much higher than PewDiePie. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, and I think I think there's really also to be counter argument of, you know, there's a thousand is kind of the bar or whatever. It's really gotten down to where you basically don't have to have any followers because now a lot of, you know, apps, a lot of services, they send you your own referral codes or referral links. So, you know, if you just don't even really use social media, you can text it to your, you know, your friend and say, hey, sign up for HelloFresh using this code and, you know, get, you know, $40 off, but also I'm going to get $40 off too. So it's like they've really lowered the bar of influencers to really literally anyone who has an influence, which is everyone. Yeah, that's right. You have an influence. And I think this ties in perfectly. So I was looking at, or I thought it's like, it's like Oprah, you get an influence, you get an influence, you're an affiliate link or a person like, oh my gosh, it's out of control. But also it makes sense. Yeah. So I was thinking of an influencer as someone who would have a measurable impact on a brand and influencer marketing hub uh, defined it as an individual who has the power to affect the purchase decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with his or her audience. And Gabe, I think this ties in great with your referral code uh, program. Like you're an influencer if you get her code and you think the service is good and you want to sign, you know, you want to promote that to your friends. Like you're influencing them to sign up for something. I feel like it's almost getting out of control. Like imagine every little thing you recommend. You're like, oh, use my code, by the way. And then you both get kicked back and it's like, you know, you're like, oh, by the way, you know, I think really the best route to get to there is, you know, take the take the 405 down um, and then get off at exit 19. It's a lot faster than, you know, getting off at exit 20. Oh, and if check out that that uh, gas station there, use 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 referral code, code uh, Gabe to tell them that I sent you and you can get free ten dollars of, you know, snacks or whatever. And it's like that. Is that going to be what our future is? Or like, you know, it'd be more like, you know, you scan a code or on your phone or whatever. I don't know. I, I think some of these are really good, though. A lot of times, it's a service I'm already going to sign up for. Uh, so why not get a referral code and enjoy like a kickback or rewards? I don't know. Gabe, how, how do you feel about this? Is it getting too much? Are we out of control? Does it make sense? Is it good? Are are you sharing your referral codes with people? That was a lot of questions, Stetson. Well, I, we can we can start from the top. 
uh, how well, well okay what I what I think it is 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 it almost gamifying the whole thing of it's like this game of because that's that's another popular thing it, that's not referral codes or anything but as far as loyalty building brand loyalty is you know building in kind of a point system I, I think of Starbucks Dunkin Donuts a lot of these ones you know or you know credit card companies with cashback it's all about you know getting you to kind of gamify your spending and your buying decisions so that you don't think of it as much as buying and more of like, oh, this is, you know, a game type thing. Wow, that's that's something I've never thought of. I feel like this relates very well to uh, specifically to travel credit cards. You're not getting any specific monetary value. You're getting points or you're getting miles. And that's the game like you're playing. You can't really win, but you feel good when you get points and rewards. Yeah, it's like you're yeah, okay, you might get a free trip to uh, you know, Asia, but it's like you didn't get a free trip to Asia. You bought a ton of stuff and and you were spent so much money with them that it was in their, you know, they could actually afford to fly you to Asia because you spent so much money with them, they'd profited so much and they possibly only got you to spend that much money because you were trying to do that. So it's like yeah, it makes sense from the company's point of view and it's easy to get pulled into that. It really plays, but, that, but that's different than influencers. I think we've kind of gone a little bit off topic here. That's more loyalty stuff. Brand loyalty influencers. Program. I mean, influencers are basically an extension of you know advertisers have used the media and still use the media uh, for years. I mean, I, I don't know when the first ad was placed, but you know, newspapers, TV, radio, all of those are you know media platforms where content exists. And then, you know, to monetize that content, these companies have gone to other companies and said, hey, do you want to, you know, advertise your products alongside our content? You can put ads for your products so that it might be viewed by our readers, our, our you know, viewers, our listeners. And now influencers, I mean, you look at the name social media, it's a media, but it's generated through social activity. So Instagram's generated through people sharing video, uh, sharing photos and videos. YouTube's generated through people sharing videos. Facebook's generated, you know, through people sharing, you know, whatever they're sharing on Facebooks anymore. It's out of control. Cat videos, cooking Cat recipes. Videos. That's essentially all, all the internet is. Um, you know, Twitter's generated through people sharing me memes and hate and, you know, clever tweets. So it's... Hashtags. It's hashtags. Yeah, exactly. It's all about content. And just now it's generated rather than only by large companies. It's generated by individuals on platforms that are, you know, you know, being able to democratize uh, the way content's generated. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how it's evolved. I feel like I'm seeing more sponsored content or like I'll watch YouTubers grow up and they'll start out, you know, doing it for fun, doing their own thing. All of a sudden they'll get big, brands will start reaching out. And I feel like more and more of their videos just become essentially targeted advertisements where advertisers are paying to reach that person's target audience that person's audience and the audience profile happens to match exactly what that company is looking for for their target demographic of people who are likely to buy their product or service yeah i know the one we talk about the most is unbox therapy oh my god i'm i'm, I'm sorry if there's any unbox therapy fa fans out there but personally as someone who's you know i've watched youtube videos for a while i feel like about probably seven, six, seven years ago, maybe five years ago, his channel really switched from an actual real channel. And I think it's still a real channel. I don't, don't mean no hate on him, but he's definitely sold out a lot more. And I don't, I'm not in his position. Maybe that's the way he needs to make money and make a living. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something you have to be aware of if you're trying to grow a brand online. I know you, Stetson, recently had a deal you did with Google to you know generate kind of like a paid not really an ad, but paid content for them. Yeah, so it was a sponsorship. I'm part of the Google Influencer Program, and uh, they wanted to make a video promoting Pixel 3a for college graduates. So they they sponsored a video, and I made a video for them. Uh, and that was a really interesting experience for me where I kind of learned what, what the process was, was like for doing a sponsored video, how I felt about it, um, kind of how my audience was reacting to it. Ultimately, I think for me, I really want to focus more on creating genuine, authentic content and actually pull back a little bit from the sponsorships and 
Um, you know, if a company wants to send me something for, for free, I'm thinking twice about it. Like, yeah, it would be cool to have that, but this is not something that would be truly interesting to my audience or even to me. Like, I want to make content I find to be the most interesting and the most helpful. And that's that's kind of where my new focus is. Um, have have you ever been approached by a brand or or someone looking to to sponsor content on your channel? Yeah, I've I've as I've been doing my channel, I think a little longer than you. Um, but we've both, you know, anyone who else has, you know, channel really over 5,000 or so view, uh, subscribers that, you know, if basically if your channel comes up in the search result or your video comes up in the search result for any product specific product. So like, say you made a product reviewing, I don't know, a cutting board and, and you, someone searches this cutting board cause that's their competitor's cutting board and yours comes up, they'll most likely be contacting your channel if they like your content. Um, to ask you to review their product. So that's kind of like what happens with me. You know, I might have a video that uh, popped up that gets a ton of views on, you know, headphones or, you know, drones or, you know, camera gimbals. And then that company or, you know, a rival company most likely that's trying to start up will reach out to me saying, hey, you know, come, come review our uh, Bluetooth headphone that we have on Amazon. Uh, and I'll, you know, I'll check it out. But most of the time it's, you know, smaller companies because I'm a smaller channel. And they're reaching out with their headphones that are really I wouldn't have any interest or, you know, they're reaching out with their lenses or case for an iPhone that, you know, I really, if I was purchasing it on my own, would not have any interest in. And so I most time I don't respond to them. And, you know, it's just I want to be authentic to who I am, because I think authenticity is the biggest selling point or marketing point you have as a personal brand. So if you lose the authenticity by selling out and, you know, just taking all these quote unquote sponsorships where they send you a product, you really lose, um, the whole value of your brand. So I've, I've been very selective with, yes, you know, saying, all right, yes, you can send me that product because that's actually something that I would have gone out and bought on my own or no, sorry, uh, not really interested. Wouldn't align with my, you know, values or interests. I think you brought up a really good point about authenticity there's a really good Warren Buffett quote. I can't remember the exact phrasing of it, but um, it's something along the lines like, it takes a lifetime to build your your credibility and um, yeah, your authenticity, and it takes five minutes to take that away. Like you can really go from- Yeah, one, one video where you're hawking a product a little too much and it's like your audience is just like, all right, yeah, they've lost it. Sell out, exactly. Um, that's, yeah, it's something to be really careful of and to- I think uh, consider strategically how you're going to navigate getting these offers, getting these deals from brands and products um, and, and trying to make the best decisions that work with you and you feel like would resonate well with your audience. Yeah, there's it's a hard thing. And, and the thing is, neither of us are supporting ourselves completely off of our YouTube channel. But for the people who, you know, where it's their only source of revenue, you know, that they've either, you know, gotten big enough that they are, or they're just trying to, you know, put a hundred percent and make that jump to be able to, you know, grow their channel or their Instagram following or their website, uh, to where they're, you know, big enough to completely support themselves. It's kind of, it's a hard line to trot of being like, you know, I really need to make rent this month or something, or, you know, uh, buy this new gear to be able to do this project. But at the same time, you know, this, you know, they're offering me $5,000 for this. I don't feel like that really aligns with me, but that's going to be so helpful uh, to my, you know, future and my, my potential, what I can do. So it's a really, it's a tough, you know, thing to choose. Uh, and yeah, it's, I, I, I can kind of understand sometimes when there's those times where you feel like that content creator kind of, you know, a bit sold out a bit, um, in that moment. I remember a time, I think it was either last year or the year before Dyson came out with their new V10 cyclone vacuum cleaner. And my subscription box was just spammed with all of these tech YouTubers who Dyson had paid to sponsor their vacuum cleaner. And it was just all this content. And you knew it wasn't very authentic. Like Dyson's clearly giving them outlines of what to say about the product. And like they're getting a nice paycheck. But, you know, I'd really appreciate it if they focused more on uh, the content that they're more used to and uh, that they're excited about and, and less on these sponsorships. Gabe, do you think it's necessary for content creators today to take on sponsorships or um, these these paid influencer roles in order to succeed in this creative landscape? 
It's not necessarily. I mean, luckily we have things like Patreon, which allows, you know, to kind of circumvent the whole advertiser supported uh, model. So it's not completely 100% necessary. And there's also, you know, just independent funding sites and, um, you know, selling selling work for its creative value. So I don't think it's 100%, but it's definitely, I mean, the, like we said earlier, the whole internet is essentially funded off of ads. So if you're using the internet to distribute your content, you're likely going to have to go through the ad, uh, you know, ad model, whether it's, you know, Google AdWords, Facebook ads or something like that, where it's a service putting just ads on your site or your content, or it's actually you connecting with the individual companies and, you know, doing a sponsored uh, post, sponsored product thing, um, you know, review or whatever it is. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're right. And as a younger channel that's starting to grow, getting that first sponsorship, getting that paycheck, that can really help you grow. You can get that new gear, get that new camera, upgrade your computer, whatever it is. And that can really be uh, a, a springboard to help, you know, propel you forward on your career path. Gabe, I love how you brought up Patreon. It reminds me of one YouTuber, Matt Diavella. He, he goes completely ad-free. He doesn't monetize his videos and he just uses Patreon to fund his creative endeavors. And I think he's a prime example of how it is possible to, to make content that's meaningful to you, that resonates with your audience, and that's ad-free and independent. Yeah, I was going to ask, what do you think is a good uh, channel, person, brand uh, that handles ads in a kind of interesting way or, uh, you know, different way, unique way? That's a really good question. What comes to my mind is Marquez Brownlee. I watch a lot of his content, so I'm, you know, probably biased here when I say that, but he, his, one of his main sponsors is Dbrand. I think he does a pretty, that's like a good job of integrating the, the brand partnership into his content. He, Essentially, what a D-brand skin is, it's a vinyl sticker you put on an electronic device. And it gave you want to make a comment here? I, I see you just... Wait, is that a D-brand box they sent you with all their gear? Oh my gosh, that's it. You just sold out to them? That was very, that was very, that was very organic how you, had, how you brought that into the conversation. Anyway, I, I don't actually... Do you, do, you, yeah, do you actually own any of their stuff? I, I used to, and then I got my MacBook Pro. So I had it on my computer. Like a bamboo sticker made my computer look absolutely sick. I got the display replaced three times, the bottom case replaced. Basically, every every surface I've put a dbrand skin on has been replaced by Apple, and they're kind of expensive, so I have I've stopped using their products. Um, but I want to jump back to the point of the story. Like basically, Marquez reviews phones. The phone will have a dbrand skin on it, so Marquez is free to say anything he wants about the phone. And then just like pop in a few words about the skin. So I like that integration where the partnership doesn't influence the content about the product you're interested in as a viewer. And I think Linus Tech Tips is pretty good at this too, where like there'll be some random product at the beginning of a video, whether it's a VPN service or a gaming computer part, accessory, what have you that won't be related at all to what the video is actually about. And I kind of like that. It's an, it's an ad that's integrated into the video, but it's a partnership and you know Linus or Marquez is able, it's free to say whatever they want about what they're actually reviewing. Yeah, I do agree that that's a better ad model than, you know, I just, for example, got sent this gimbal from this company and I know that I'm free to review it however I want, However, I do know that future, you know, if I want to keep up that relationship with the company, if I absolutely trash their gimbal um, in my review, which usually doesn't happen because most products are, you know, at least up to a certain standard. And that's also comes back to, you know, setting a standard for what products you accept if you're reviewing products, you know, whether it's tech products, beauty products, cooking products, whatever out there that your review niche is. Um, setting a standard for what products you accept companies to send you to talk about is really key because then you won't have to uh, trash a product um, and possibly you know upset a company, but at the same time you can be authentic and really talk about the product in, in a potentially a critical matter, um, but still you know you know yeah maintain that authenticity and realness. Do you do you ever feel pressure when a company sends you a free product to give it a more positive review? 
I don't, it, it's weird that there's not really pressure, but it's the same thing as if, you know, you go to an ice cream store and someone says, oh, here's some free ice cream or, you you know, or, or someone, you know, a, a friend gives you something nice or, you know, a friend and, and then they open a store and they give, you know, you're going to give them a more positive review because you have that connection to them and they are nice to you, you know, so I think that's the real, uh, um, you know, the real pressure, quote unquote pressure. I know you with you've had with the Google one. Share your experience with that because you actually had real pressure. Yeah. So uh, what I did with Google is, um, you know, they wanted uh, influencers to reach a target audience of recent college graduates. I recently graduated college, so I was a perfect fit. My audience, I guess, in their mind would would you know resonate with my content, and I basically ended up producing this video that I thought was great, had a storyline. Um, I will testify that it was great. Thank was, you, Gabe. I appreciate that. Um, probably one that would have been the better videos that you've ever made for your channel. Wow, that good. And I, I couldn't release it because I submitted it for review. And basically, I had all this other uh, branding in the video. And Google, I thought they wanted a sponsored video where um, I'm, you know, I can create this content promoting their product, Pixel 3a, and kind of do take my own spin on it, do what I want, and it would just be kind of like they would pay for it. But really what Google wanted was an advertisement. Like I made an advertisement. And it's very clear there's pop-ups in the video that say this is an ad, this is sponsored. Um, but still, you know, for someone like me, it's, you know, it was an interesting learning experience, but it it just didn't feel great at the end. And I think, you know, coming back to our point of authenticity that was a really, I'm really glad I did it because that was a wake up call to me saying, hey, this is the content I really want to focus on. And now I'm diving into my cell phone plan comparisons more. And even like some carriers will send me free service. And I'm, you know, trying to strategically navigate that where, yes, like you said, it's a friendly position. And the truth is, if I can maintain a positive relationship, I can oftentimes uh, get that affiliate link or, or, you know, or have another way of earning revenue. But ultimately for me, I've decided at this point, I really want to provide that honest, valuable feedback. I think long-term that's going to deliver more value to me. I don't know how, but you know, that's, that's my approach going forward. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, they call it selling out because it's like, you're taking, you're saying, all right, I'm fine with my current, you know, position of number of subscribers and fan base, or, you know, my, my position as a company. And I'm just going to cash in all of that for as much money as possible. So I'm going to hawk ads, you know, I'm going to have 20 ad breaks on a video. I'm going to have every product sponsored that's in the video, you know, that's why they call it selling out. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not a great thing to see someone do. But for example, with your ad, it's kind of a learning experience. And hopefully, I mean, your viewers understand like this is, you know, something that you're going through and, you know, oh, this was not the best move. But and you you move on and hopefully if your viewers unsubscribe then yeah all right too bad sucks for them um and you know it's a little sad to see them go but that's you know it's the growth of a channel growth of a brand growth of a company what what recommendations or advice do you have for young creators trying to get started or you know young influencers um and you know do you suggest they they take on a partnership or a, a more official advertiser influencer um, partnership. Uh, my advice, well, I think we've been kind of talking a lot about uh, tech review, product review, because that's the field we're both in. But I think kind of expanding it to, in general, uh, you know, content, you know, whether it's storytelling, music, podcasts, really the thing I think, I, I don't know if you've seen the movie Field of Dreams or not. I have seen that. Yeah, there's that quote, build it and they will come. Uh, and I think that is really applicable to content. If you build, you know, a brand, build, uh, you know, a personal brand, build whatever it is that gains a following. Once you get that, you know, don't worry about, oh, how am I going to monetize this? I mean, maybe that that's a good thing to think about a little bit. But really, I would spend 99% of your time originally when you're starting up, you know, your channel, your Instagram page, your website, whatever it is, thinking about how can I create good content that's, you know, new, unique, exciting, interesting for me, sustainable, like that's really the things to think about. Then once eventually you've, you know, gotten enough following, brands will kind of come to you 
and you then that's where you start figuring out uh, how to monetize your channel. But yeah, it's you can't you can't do it the other way around. You can't monetize and then you know develop content. That's not really going to work ever. I I love that advice, Gabe. And you know I think it for me it kind of comes it's, down to I think that's shopping cart worthy. Oh my right gosh, there. it just rolls towards Gabe. See yeah. what the audience can't tell is geographically. Well, I think, do we need do we need something other than a shopping cart now? Because this is shopping cart usually is because we're talking about consumer products, but this is really what is this? This is like create or something so maybe like a i don't know a trophy should we get some kind of trophy or a gold a golden uh editing software suite i don't know maybe Uh, in mario Uh, they get stars golden star yeah but that's not really i don't know a golden affiliate link that's what i get Ooh, just like a golden link icon boom yeah says yeah golden link i was gonna say what the audience can't tell right now is geographically uh, i'm on higher ground so the shopping cart just naturally rules uh, yeah yeah i mean yeah i figure well how can we do some audio representation of that i don't know like one of those whistles that go boom, <laughs> you know yeah so i, no, I love that advice um and i think what it comes down to for me is you want to be creating something that that makes you feel accomplished that makes you feel fulfilled like that's that's what i'm looking like you want to do something you feel proud of and whatever that means for you try and stay true to that and there's definitely ways to partner and create these strategic partnerships and and sometimes be sponsored um, but make sure it really is core to who you are who you want to be and how you want to build and position your brand online yeah i I mean, going back to literally like one of the original or one of the simplest forms of advertising billboards, right? It's one like go if you go out and sell, um, say, hey, would you want to buy an ad on a billboard I'm going to build to some company? Like, oh, yeah, I'd love to. You know, we'll pay $100,000 for that. And then you're like, all right, sweet. Awesome. Got $100,000. And you're like, wait a second. I have no idea how to build a billboard or like where to even put it or like anything like that. You know, that's that's essentially the simplest analogy or metaphor for this whole process is figure out how to build that billboard, you know, figure out where to put it, how to make it, you know, stand out, make people want to see it or have to see it, you know, and then figure out what ads you're going to put on it or how you're going to pay for it. Yeah. And actually that brings me to, I'm starting a billboard YouTube channel where I specifically talk about only billboards. You can find it at buildingbillboards.com. No, sorry. Stetson, did you just check that website? Does it exist? Maybe. Bill, building build. Who did I? Who did I? Who did I just plug? You just plug question. someone. Hey, Gabe. Building you know what? Maybe we can rope them in to this influencer. We can make a partnership com. with them. Get an affiliate link going. Oh, it, it is actually not. Oh my God. Do I have to buy this? It it doesn't exist. I think I have to buy this uh <laughs> this domain name and put up a website here. Oh my goodness. But. Yeah, no, it's really, that's really all it comes down to because the influencer economy is expected to grow to around 10 billion by 2020. So there's a plethora of, you know, money out there, despite what you might see on like fear mongering news sites that say the influencer economy is dead. I know that was, that was a, like a ton of articles going around about that. Maybe I think was it two, three weeks ago when there was an Instagram user, I think she had about uh, 20,000, 30,000 followers, or maybe even, you might even have a million. Uh, and she that, was only able to sell like... That's a pretty big difference. I know. I think, I think she had it like in the hundred thousands. Now I think about it because she was only able to sell 30 t-shirts supposedly from a post. And like everyone was like, oh my God, that's the end of influencers. But when you looked at it, it was mainly just because the t-shirts looked awful. You know, she was doing a bad job of, of like really marketing it and relating it to her audience. And she'd only posted about it once. Like it was just overall, it was just a horrible job. Of and that's I guess where it comes down to. Of it does kind of pay to, or it makes sense that you do have to figure out eventually how to monetize the content or your followers, uh, because she was just doing a horrible job. She had all these followers, but just no way to relate to them and no way to you know get them to actually buy something or you know help her out monetarily. How how do you price? Uh, being an influencer like how do you figure out the value of of like reaching your audience 
it's i mean stetson i'll, I'll flip that question back on you because i don't really have an answer i have absolutely no idea myself i really do whatever they offer me and when i was starting out any money was good money i had a brand never heard of them before they were like hey we'll pay you 250 bucks if you make this quick video on your channel wasn't super huge at the time i was like yeah that's awesome i'll totally do that and i did it and i think now as i've grown um like I should charge more if I choose to do that, but it's so hard. I have no idea. It's like... I I think, yeah, it's a type of thing you unfortunately have to learn as you go. And companies might kind of take advantage of that sometimes, especially... I, I think they absolutely do. Like, as a young creator, not necessarily in the industry, not knowing costs of certain things, you could be getting lowballed uh, really hard. Like, you have no but, idea. But remember that you also... the company would also be taking a bigger risk on you because you're less established you're less reliable potentially so it's it goes both ways um and i'm yeah it's kind of a you know both you know both it's usually smaller companies who are taking that risk and smaller channels who are getting paid less so it's yeah it's not not the best thing but it is what it is there how the last thing i want to bring up is how do you feel about affiliate links i am I like them. I think it's awesome that, you know, uh, you know, you get to, you know, if if you, you know, for example, if I review a product or if a website talks about some product or makes a list of like these are the best things, that then they can actually get a percentage of directing, you know, someone to that site. However, I do feel that it kind of since Amazon, as we mentioned earlier, is one of the biggest people out there. And only really bigger sites are able to, you know, develop these affiliate programs. So they they are getting, um, you know, there's more tools out there for like WordPress and stuff like that, and Shopify to do affiliate links. You know, I think it's it kind of secures these not monopolies, but it it, it builds up the bigger companies more because, like, if I'm gonna, uh, you know, say I review a GoPro product, I'm gonna put links to that product, you know, only to like B and H and Amazon. There are tons of smaller companies that sell uh, that that are potentially better. I don't know, maybe not than B and H, uh, and maybe not than Amazon, but there are viable companies. Uh, and I won't link them because uh, unfortunately they don't have the affiliate link. Yeah, it's definitely it's interesting to see so many people linking to Amazon. On one hand, it's great. I know a lot of people use it. Prime's great. It's very convenient getting that Amazon link, and you can get more information about the product. And um, you know, it's also great about affiliate links is it doesn't necessarily influence the content because you can link to any product. You can talk about any product and the audience is choosing whether or not they want to use that link. Like you said, the downside is it really promotes very, uh, you know, very select websites and online shopping platforms when really there are many other options that people just may not be considering. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about uh, you know, online stuff, but there's a lot of real world influencing, like, and and, and real world uh, businesses that are involved in influencing um, and, and buying influencers' uh, views, you know. Wait, what do you mean? I, I just, I kind of wanted to leave you there just because I knew you had no idea. I have absolutely no, no idea. Well, you get, uh, this is more with, uh, you get a lot of travel uh, people who are, you know, say they're a travel Instagram account, uh, you know, they, and those are, everyone loves to look at that, you know, so you'll get hotels um, and, you know, maybe airlines and stuff offering the person, uh, you know, hey, get a free flight with us. Or, oh, hey, you know, we'll pay for you to come have a vacation at our place. Uh, and they're not actually even really a lot of times giving links to them. They're just, you know, on Instagram especially, because it's not very a link. Uh, it's not a, doesn't work well with links other than the swipe up on the stories. Um, so a lot of times it's just, oh, you know, do you just mention our brand or just show you having fun with our brand and stuff like that. But it's interesting. You're seeing um, some kickback or some not what's not not kickback, uh, negative uh, pushback. Uh, now, um, I know the most recent article was there was this uh, ice cream truck in L.A. that has a new policy that uh, social media influencers pay double. That's hilarious. Why? Like, what's the thinking behind uh, that I policy? I guess, I mean, you know, L.A., for anyone who isn't there, that's like you can, you know, uh, open your camera and take a picture of a of like a crowd of people and like 80% of those people 
probably say they're an influencer of some sort. You know, it's it's just they're everywhere in L.A. Uh, because everyone has a side hustle. And so I guess this uh, soft, uh, soft serve ice cream truck in L.A. has had just influencers constantly asking about, you know, getting free ice cream for a shout out on their account or, you know, catering for a shout out. And I guess the last straw was someone requested for him to do a weekend party uh, for 300 people in exchange for just, you know, that that exposure that they can get over their, um, you know, account. And so he, he originally put up a joke sign saying influencers pay double, but now he's decided to actually give it a real thing. So if you ask, you know, hey, can I get a free ice cream for some exposure? He'll say, no, nah, uh, you can't. And as a matter of fact, that's going to be an $8 ice cream now. Wow. And, you know, it's it's funny you bring that up because as it's so it's such a weird system. I, and this really brings back to unbox therapy. Like as a channel grows, it's earning more money and the expenses just drop. Because all these brands are essentially sending what you need to grow for free. And it's so weird. Well, it's providing content. Um, you know, whether it's, yeah, if it's your, your channel, uh, going back to the channel stuff, if you're traveling around, you have to buy all your own hotels, on your own flights. But all of a sudden, if you're that, you know, if you have 6 million followers on Instagram and you're one of the top travel accounts, yeah, you're getting free flights, you're getting free stuff. I'm not saying it's necessarily easier. You have a lot more things to think about then. But it's, yeah, you, you are right that you kind of get to that point where your content gets almost paid for you if that's the way that you're getting your sponsorship. I think it's just a, it's a really strange system where like the more successful you are, the less you have to pay. And the, I'm, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It seems like. But I also think this is us looking at, you know, from channels that, you know, have, you know, under 50,000 subscribers. We're looking up at that. I think they would also argue that they do have, you know, just as much expenses because now they have to pay maybe a brand manager uh, to, you know, to, to monitor all the requests. They have to, you know, buy better gear, buy insurance, you know, yeah, I, all I, these true, different yeah. things. So good points. It's, it's, I don't think it's, it's, you know, it's a glass half full, glass half empty type thing. But well, yeah, that's, that's really influencers. Uh, use our code pinch to zoom podcast on anything. Uh, no, for not really. absolutely nothing. We've turned up with nothing. every brand out there to yeah, get a right? 0% kickback. Anytime it says put in coupon code, put in our name and see what that gets you. It's going to get you nothing. Just a hint. Actually, so. do let us know if it works because we will want to reach out to that brand. Yeah, we want to say what is going on. But where you, where you can put in our name, Pinch to Zoom Podcast or Pinch to Zoom Pod is on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. But who cares about Facebook? Uh, and you can also email us at pinch to zoom podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions. Uh, eventually, we're going to do another WayTech uh, answering your questions episode, but just waiting on some more interesting stuff to come up, and then we'll do that for you. So that's it. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. Yeah, and if you liked it, uh, be an influencer and go and recommend this podcast to someone you know. Uh, if you do... Uh, have them and they go listen to it have them tweet at us and say that you sent us uh, them to uh, that you sent them to us and we'll tweet a nice thank you back at you that will come straight from our hearts thank you yeah that is that is the real the real no no that wasn't the tweet that was that was just you thank, saying thank that's you. right that was just yeah. me saying thank you we have to actually tweet it to them tweets are far more valuable currency online oh than you think saying thank you and meaning it obviously right i, I should have known that okay especially well, as an influencer yeah